Thank you so much, Desmond. It's lovely to be back with you again and to share something about the ministry of Slavic Gospel Association. We're always very grateful for those who support us and pray for us as we seek to serve God in the nations of the world that God has opened up for us and I want to share with you this evening. I want to bring you to two parts of the world today, tonight. I want to bring you, first of all, to Central Asia. I was there just a few months ago, and then I just returned home last night from Ukraine. So I want to share something about Ukraine and the Republic of Moldova and what God is doing. But before we come to the presentation tonight, I just want to go to the Word of God. We want to read some verses together uh, from God's Word. Let's turn to uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, to chapter 6, and we want to read from verse 10. Turning together to Ephesians chapter 6 and commencing to read at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his inspired word to our hearts this evening. I want us to look together just for a few moments before I come to the presentation of firm and forward feet. Sometimes commentators point out how strange it is that Paul should mention a gospel of peace right in the middle of a passage that is dealing with warfare, with conflict, with armor. And yet here in verse 15, we find these wonderful words when Paul speaks of the gospel and he speaks of it as the gospel of of peace. We thank God for the wonderful peace that the gospel does bring. Paul points that out earlier in this book as he writes to the Ephesians, because we find in chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14 how the enmity and the hostility between God and the repentant sinner has been brought to an end, and God has broken down that middle wall of partition between us now in Christ Jesus. You who sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Thank God that between the repentant sinner and God, the hostility has been broken down, the enmity has been broken down, and we've been made one in Christ, and we have peace with God. And then we find in chapter 2 and verse 19 that also the hostility has been broken down between peoples within the family of God. Verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Here the enmity or hostility between races and factions in Christ has been brought to an end. Because the Gentiles are no longer alienated from God, but now they enjoy the same spiritual blessings as do the Christian Jews. So God brings peace, hostility, enmity, is broken down, it comes to an end. The gospel brings peace between a holy God and the repentant sinner. It brings peace between the people of God within the family of God. And then Paul comes here to chapter 6, and he speaks about the warfare. 
but he speaks about the peace and the gospel of being the gospel of peace. And so as we come to verse 15 that I just want to ponder on tonight, we see that feet are shod with a preparation or the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now, what does this mean? Just let me leave a couple of thoughts with you this evening. The first thought is this, gospel shoes provide stability. Because this is written all in the context of standing. As we've read these verses together this evening, and we think of the preparation or the readiness as part of the whole armor of God, we see from verse 11 and 12 something of the battle that we're in and that we must stand firm for God. Because Paul reminds us here in these verses, verse 11, but he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We see here that from the cradle to the grave, life is a war. Your soul, your mind, your body, your family, your career, your ministry for the Lord, it is all a conflict. And until Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire, Our peace with God will have to be a vigilant peace because Satan will certainly not give us peace. If we have made peace with God, then Satan will do all in his power to rob us of that wonderful peace. And the war that we're in is not a war, as Paul says, against flesh and blood, but it's with supernatural evil powers. You see, Paul, he had conflicts with flesh and blood. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He knew what it was to fight against flesh and blood. But he says, this isn't a warfare with flesh and blood. He said, this is a warfare with the principalities of the powers of the air. And Paul was so aware of the battle that he was in. You know, friends, this word of God reminds us tonight, as we've read these verses, that there's the danger of falling in this battle. And so, Paul exhorts us to stand in verse 11, stand in verse 13, stand in verse 14. And so the gospel shoes provide stability that we will be able to stand. God has made provision for us to stand, and that provision is the spiritual armor, and part of that armor is the shoes or the sandals that Paul mentions here in verse 15. They're part of the preparation or the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now, the sandals which the Roman soldiers wore were fitted with spikes in the bottom of the soles of these sandals. These sandals were not really made for protection. They didn't protect the soldiers, but they give them stability on the battlefield. And the terrain that the Roman soldiers would have been involved in would have been very slippy, maybe with the dew, with the rain, or more likely the battlefield would have been slippy because of blood. And so these soldiers had on these sandals with spikes on them that they could stand in the battlefield. Now, you'll agree with me tonight that a soldier is better standing than lying down. And God doesn't want us lying down. God wants us standing on the battlefield. And God has given us these spiritual shoes, the shoes, the shod with the shoes of the gospel of peace to give us stability that we will be able to stand in this day. And friends, tonight we face great opposition and we need firm footing in the battle against Satan in these days that we might defend the truth of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And we need stability to do that. And the gospel shoes give us stability so that we don't fall, but we stand. And we stand for God. You know, there's postmodernism that's attacking the gospel. Today we're told that there are no absolutes. It's to proclaim a tolerant, all-inclusive, universal message. There's no absolutes. There's no absolute truth. Of course, the attack is on the gospel, the new perspective of Paul undermining justification by faith alone. And this is the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find religions. I've just come from the field where orthodoxy is so strong and so powerful, and it's a a religion of rituals and good works. We find there's open theism that's attacking the very sovereignty of God. We're living in a day that we're under attack, and You know, it's not a matter of us being tolerated anymore, but we're actually hated by society. The church is a relic of the past. We have nothing to offer this 21st century. This is what we're being told. We need to modernize. We need to change our message. Our message is too harsh. You friends, tonight the gospel is negative and the gospel is positive. But the gospel has to be negative before it can become positive. And the negative part of the gospel is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the positive part of the gospel is that it's a gospel of peace and Christ Jesus can bring peace to the troubled soul. And that's the positive part of the gospel. Our message does not change. This is the word of the living God. And the gospel shoes give us stability. Thank God we can stand to the very end. Not only does the gospel shoes give us stability, but I want us to note here as well that the gospel shoes give us mobility. Because here in this verse, the Word of God speaks about the preparation, or we could speak of it as the readiness of the gospel of peace. These gospel shoes help us to move with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share the gospel of peace in this world, to be ready to move with the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You remember there in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Also, Paul writing there to the Colossians in chapter 4, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. And here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, that your feet are shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, it's almost certain that Paul has in mind here the words of Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7, that wonderful verse. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Here we have a picture of feet of people who are running to bring good news of peace. Surely this is where Paul got his imagery from. And if so, then the the readiness or the preparation of the gospel of peace is surely the readiness to move with the gospel and tell others about Jesus. Notice here in Isaiah 52 verse 7 that the verse doesn't say how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who has good news or who knows good news, but rather who brings good news. And the gospel shoes, they give us mobility because they send us out 
with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You putting on the sandals is not just knowing what the gospel message is, because that's what gives stability, but having a plan to share the gospel with others. That gives us mobility. And you know, there's something that always touches my heart when I go to the field where I was in Moldova and Ukraine and Central Asia. There's not just stability with the gospel shoes on in those nations, but I want to say tonight, friends, there is an amazing mobility. They're moving forward with the gospel in these days. And they're moving forward very, very powerfully. And it's an inspiration to us and a challenge as well. Because quite often, whenever we are out on the field and they come to us with plans and ideas that they have and new initiatives to share the gospel, and typical from the Western society, of course, we always raise objections. We always say, well, you know, did you think of this? Or did you think about this? Or did you think about that? And you know, those brothers just look at us and they say, God is with us. And you know, friends, this is so real and so powerful because the gospel shoes give us stability, standing. But friends, God, God just doesn't want us to stand for the gospel. The gospel shoes give us mobility. There's the readiness of the gospel of peace. God wants us to reach out and to share this wonderful message. You know, not only does the gospel shoes provide stability and, and gospel shoes provide mobility, but I believe the gospel shoes provide ability. And you know what I mean when I say ability? Because I'm sure all of us feel weak and insu insufficient for these things, and we do not feel that we can maybe move out with the gospel. But the wonderful thing is that God gives us ability. He gives us strength. He takes the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And tonight God has given us these gospel shoes that we might go forward for God, standing, stability, mobility, moving with the gospel, ability, the strength, the confidence in the gospel that is still the power of God unto salvation. Regardless of what our society may say about us and laugh at the gospel, my friends, they still need the gospel. This is the glorious message that we seek to go with in these days for Paul said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And we're so thankful for the gospel tonight and the gospel that can touch many hearts and many lives as we seek to serve the Lord. Serving God with Slavic Gospel Association as a call came on my life over 21 years ago to move into this missionary work. And as a missionary organization, we seek to equip the church among the nations. We don't send missionaries from the UK or Ireland out to these countries where we serve, but we invest in the indigenous believers and equip them to be the missionaries and that they might have that mobility to go forward with God with the readiness of the gospel of peace. This takes us to the different countries where we serve, to Central and Eastern Europe, where we have been serving now for many, many years with the help of the Lord. Then in the year 2000, God opened the door for us into Central Asia, which brings us to these five Asian republics. Just five years ago, God opened another door for us, and that was to bring us into Far East Russia and to serve God in these areas uh, where we have now 10 missionaries serving God. And just last year, God opened the door for us into Mongolia with our partners to start a ministry there. As we serve God and as a mission, we have our
four main ministries that we seek to work through. There's the training workers, sponsoring leaders, publishing literature, and distributing aid. And tonight I want to walk through these four ministries with you and just share a little what I've witnessed myself over the last few weeks as I've been out on the field. Training workers, sponsoring leaders, publishing literature, I'm going to bring you to Central Asia, and then I'm going to bring you to Ukraine about distributing aid and what God is doing in that war-torn country. But as we come to Central Asia, you have the five stands there that make up Central Asia. The large country in red is uh, Kazakhstan. I want you to see Almaty here and take note of that because I'll be coming back to the city of Almaty in my presentation just to share something about ministry in this city. But you've got Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and Turkmenistan. Stan means territory, so Kazakhstan's the territory of the Kazakhs. And if you look at it geographically, you'll see to the north you've got the nation of Russia. To the east you've got China. To the south you've Afghanistan and Iran. And between you have got the five Central Asian republics. And so these five countries make up uh, Central Asia. And we uh, thank God uh, for the opportunity of serving God in those countries. Uh, Also, as we think of the population of Central Asia, uh, the population is around um, 78 million. uh, I've got there. 78 million of a total of population uh, in all of Central Asia. And, of course, it was once part of the Soviet Union, but now they've got their own governments and they are republics uh, in their own right. People's background is mainly Asian or Persian in Central Asia. And, of course, the main religion is Islam. 85% adhere to Islam. When we come to the evangelical believers, it's much less than 1%. But there's something special about Central Asia when we think about the evangelical church. And I want to make this statement right now so we understand the context that we're working in. When you think of Kazakhs, Tajiks, Uzbeks, the first people to come to the Lord from those ethnic groups was just 25 to 30 years ago. So we're really working with first-generation believers in Central Asia. Amongst Russian-speaking people, Of course, there were believers before that, and many believers during the Soviet Union times were taken from Russia to Central Asia to starve to death. Many believers died in Central Asia under communism. But as we seek to serve God today, we work with the younger generation because it's younger people who are actually finding the Lord. The churches are full of young people in Central Asia, and it's young people that are laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel. It's young people who are feeling the call of God and coming into Bible colleges for training. And God is working amongst the young people because the older generations will not leave the system that they've been used to. Let it be Islam, let it be Orthodox or whatever. But God is building his church. Now, when we think of Central Asia, it's a beautiful part of the world, especially Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. Tajikistan is 95% mountainous. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. And we were traveling through Tajikistan when I was there a couple of months ago. And by the way, we stopped at a cafe. This is how you sit and eat. You don't sit on chairs. You sit with your legs crossed. That's all right for 10 minutes, but when it's two hours, you forget you have got legs. And this sitting church in the village churches in Tajikistan, you'd just be sitting around the walls on cushions, and that's how you sit in church and you worship the Lord. And when we were traveling this road, we'd traveled about two and a half hours. We stopped for something to eat, and then the friend said to us, they said, by the way, they said, you're you're actually traveling one of the top 10 most dangerous roads in the world. 
Well, God kept us safe and God got us to see our missionaries, brought us to our destinations, and that was wonderful. But let's think of the training ministry in Central Asia. And I want to bring you to the city of Almaty that I mentioned earlier. And situated there is Almaty Bible Institute, where training has been going on now for 30 years. Over around 1,000 students have graduated from this institute. Alexander Karyakov, the director, said to me a few months ago, he said, about 1,000 have graduated, and he said that 1,000 of graduates are involved in the work of God. And it was a joy to be there and to meet with the current students. There are now 200 students in training in Almaty Bible Institute. And what a joy to spend time with them and to see the desire that they have to serve God and to reach their nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People who are ready with the readiness of the gospel of peace to move out with the gospel into their country in their day. These students come from different backgrounds. Some of them are very harsh circumstances. We look here at this picture and look from the left and the third one in. You'll see this man here with this white top of him. This man was converted in prison. What a miracle. He's now sitting in Almaty Bible Institute being trained to be a missionary pastor. In fact, as I go through Central Asia, so many pastors were saved in prison. And I, I said it with a little bit of amusement on one occasion. I said, is, is it part of salvation? Do you have to go to prison to get saved? Because I was meeting so many who met the Lord in prison. And today they're standing firm for God and they're serving the Lord. And God is using them. They're planting new churches and the work of God is going forward in Central Asia. Opposition, yes. Difficulties, yes. 85% of Central Asia is Muslim. Take Tajikistan, that little country. 99% is Muslim in Tajikistan. But in Tajikistan, we have 10 missionaries who are serving God. And they're rejoicing in the Lord. And they're moving into new territories with the gospel. And God has given them wonderful strength to do that. I just come back there from Moldova and Ukraine. Just over the weekend, I had the great joy of attending the graduation service of our students in the Republic of Moldova. What a joy to see a band of young people going out to serve God. We start a new group in January. We normally deal with a maximum of 25 students in Moldova. And the director came to me on Sunday evening. He said, Derek, he says, I've got a problem. Before he says, we've got 28 and there'll be more who'll want to come. God is calling. The fields are white and ready for harvest. The laborers are few. Pray ye there for the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest field. God is raising up laborers. What a joy to teach and train them. Not only teaching and training them, but our second core ministry is sponsoring leaders. Because these men, when they move out into pioneering missionary work, they need finance, they need to be supported that they continue in gospel ministry. Dr. Paul Negrit from Ukraine, from Emmanuel Christian University, once said to the leaders of Slavic Gospel Association, he said, give us the tools and we will do the work. And as a mission, that's what we seek to do. We give them the tools and God is using them. And so we support missionary families. As a mission, we seek to do this and God is helping us to support over 200 missionary families right now. Thank God for them in Orthodox Eastern Europe, predominantly Islam, Central Asia, in the darkness of Far East Russia, 
God is raising up people for such a time as this to serve him. And we're so glad as a mission to stand by them and support them financially and sponsor them that they can give their lives completely to the Lord and be involved in church planting ministry. We as a mission, this is what we seek to do, support church planters, pioneer workers to reach the unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to just share with you a couple of the missionaries that I met when I was in Central Asia. Here is Nikolai and Olga Bobkov serving God in Kazakhstan amongst the Uyghur Muslim people. You've heard of these people who have been persecuted in China. Well, they're in the eastern part of Kazakhstan, and Nikolai and Olga have gone at the call of God. This is a very tough mission field for them. But God is helping them and strengthening them as they're reaching out with the gospel. And already, God has given a few souls. Now, I'm not talking about hundreds of souls here, but isn't one soul worth more than the whole world? Jesus said, what shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? And Lose his soul. One soul, one soul, one soul is worth more than this whole world. And God is helping Nikolai and Olga to serve God amongst these Uyghur Muslim people. They needed transport. Not only do we finance them for their living, daily living, but they needed a new van. And as a mission, we were glad from our transportation project to send out the money. They were able to purchase this van, and they're so thankful for it. And I'm just going to share... Just a little video with you that you can see the van operating and see Nikolai and Olga express their appreciation. This van will be such a blessing in the ministry as they continue to serve God amongst these people. Приветствуем вас, дорогие наши друзья. Приветствую семья Бабаковы, Николай, Ольга, Захар, Люба. Мы живем в поселке Чужа и несем здесь служение. У нас была такая проблема. У нас была машина старая, она очень часто ломалась. Вот мы молились Господу, чтобы Господь нам вот помог решить эту проблему. И вот, благодаря вашим молитвам, у нас есть новая что? Машина. Да. Она нам очень нравится. Нравится вам эти машины? Да. Да, большое вам спасибо за это, спасибо за вашу помощь, спасибо, что вы вот расположили свои сердца, благословили нас средствами, благословили библейскую миссию, да, чтобы она тоже в этом участвовала. Большое спасибо брату Дерку, который расположил свое сердце, да, и тоже вот не остался безучастным вот в этой нашей нужде. Мы, конечно, понимаем, что во всем, за всем за этим стоит Господь. Прежде всего, конечно, Ему слава, благодарность, благодарность нашему Господу, что Он дает вам возможность помогать нам. Она, в свою очередь, трудится здесь, и мы совершаем здесь этот наш совместный труд, в котором есть и тоже ваше участие, вот, в виде вот этой вот машины, на которой мы можем ездить по поселкам, посещать братьев-сестер, где-то развозить гуманитарку, какие-то вот грузы полезные развозить, помогать другим семьям, допустим, там, с продуктами, еще с какими-то целями. Когда приезжают братья, мы можем устраивать посещение на этой машине. То есть э, вот эта вот машина, этот транспорт, она является хорошим таким вот орудием труда вот в нашем деле, которым мы здесь занимаемся. Спасибо вам еще раз за все. Да будет Господу слава за все. А вам большая благодарность от нас от всех. Большое вам спасибо. Спасибо. 
Thank God for Nikolai and their Olga and their desire to serve the Lord. I just want to bring you to a, another missionary in Tajikistan. I'll not mention the name uh, of the missionary but or the area where they're actually working. But we're so grateful for the 10 missionary families that are serving God that we're supporting in this country and how God is using them. One missionary that I met when I was there that we are supporting, working amongst Muslim people, and he was a, a very strong Muslim person himself. He spent all his time in the mosque, and he just hated Christians. And one day, his sister came to faith in the Lord and was transformed by God's power and left the mosque and began to go to the little group of believers and meet with them. After some time, she picked up courage to speak to her brother who spent all his time in the mosque. And he shared with me, he said, you know, whenever my sister spoke to me about Jesus and about my sin and that only Jesus could forgive me, he said, really, I wanted to cut her head off. And then he said, something happened. And he said, God began to work in my heart and life, and I found myself crying before God. He said, that day I repented of my sin. Then he said, my wife got converted. Then he said, I wanted to tell everybody what Jesus had done in my life. And he shared with me that day, sitting in a little room in Tajikistan, of how now there are 80 converted Muslims meeting every Sunday to worship the Lord. He shared of how Recently, before I arrived, 20 more Muslims had come to faith in Christ. He told of how an Arab group uh, on the border with Afghanistan, who had no idea of the gospel, he began to share the gospel with them. And recently, two brothers and their wives have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is working. God's building his church. God is using our missionaries and while we can't speak the language and we cannot communicate with these people, we're so glad that we can give them the tools and we can help them as they reach out with the gospel in these days of opportunity. Thank God for all of our missionaries. Requests keep coming to us for support. And as a mission, we always try to have a positive response and to help as many as we can to share the gospel in these days. So not only is the Bible training or Bible schools across Eastern Europe and in Almaty Bible Institute, and supporting the missionaries that is so important in seeing churches established for the glory of God. But then we come to the literature that's such an important part of our ministry for so many years. But the big project right now is in Central Asia, and this is providing Bibles, Bible sets, Bibles for in Kazakh, Uzbek, Tajik. Let's remember, these are people groups, languages, they did not have the Word of God. I remember being in Uzbekistan five years ago. I remember meeting with the underground pastors who we met with secretly. And before we left them, they made one plea with us. And they said, brothers, will you please get us Uzbek Bibles? We're pastors. We don't have Bibles. And you know, God put it in our hearts and the partners with me on that occasion to do something about this situation. And so God has been helping us over the past five years to provide God's Word and Bible sets. You can see here there's a children's Bible on top, an adult's Bible underneath. And we want to provide Bible sets for Muslim families and others in Central Asia 
that they might have the opportunity of reading the Word of God. This is an amazing man, David, who heads up the Bible project for us and partners with us. David was over for our conferences in England a few weeks ago. He had a day in London. You know what that man did? He came from Kazakhstan with his rucksack full of Kazakh Bibles. My daughter was there and she witnessed it. David arrived in London. He put a Kazakh flag on his rucksack and he walked around London and before the day was finished, his rucksack was empty of Kazakh Bibles as Kazakh people approached him for, to speak to him and then he gave them the word of God. This brother is on fire for God. I want to say, my friends, he has got the mobility of the gospel. And he's seeking to reach his people with God's word. I witnessed it so often when I was traveling with him across these countries. There was never an opportunity missed by David to give out the word of God. On one occasion, we were in a, a restaurant having a, or a cafe having a meal. There was a lovely young man, I would say, he was about 22 years of age. He came to us at the end of the meal and... David took out a Bible, presented it to the young man. And I watched the expression on the face of that young man, a young Muslim man. And there was that lovely countenance and that smileless face. And he took the word of God. He held it to himself like this. And he said, thank you so much. I have longed to have this special book. As soon as I go off duty tonight, I will start reading this special book. Friends, God's word. We believe in it. Other people need it. And as a mission, we seek to distribute the Word of God. Here's David standing beside a man at a filling station. He gave him a copy of the New Testament in the Kazakh language. He met him a week later. He said to the man, what about the book I give you? And this unconverted man, he said, I have read the book. I'm halfway through the book you give me. And people are seeking to read it. They have a desire. And we as a mission want to reach out to boys and girls, giving them children's Bibles, reaching the adults with the adult Bibles. And as people sit on the wayside, maybe filling stations, wherever it is, when they receive the Word of God, what a beautiful image to see them sitting, reading God's Word. And we thank God for this project that we're continuing to support and go forward with. This year, I have got the Kazakh Bible with Psalms, Proverbs, and Genesis, 50,000 of these were printed just this year. You might say, why not the whole Bible? They're still working through the whole Bible. We're trusting in June next year, the complete Kazakh Bible will be finished, and it will be pre uh, the full Bible will be printed in the Kazakh language. Here is a bilingual Bible, Russian and Kazakh, printed this year, 50,000 of them. You see the shape of it. This is to reach the young generations, the shape of a mobile phone. You know what is happening with this New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs bilingual? Young people are snatching them up to learn a new language. Because Kazakhs want to learn Russian, Russians want to learn Kazakh. And they're using the New Testament to learn another language. But friends, there's something more happening. Because when I was there, I was hearing testimonies of young people who are finding Jesus Christ as they read the Word of God. God's word will not return to him void or empty. God has promised to bless his word. Our words may fall to the ground, but God's word, God has promised to always bless his word. And so together, we provide the word of God for the people of Central Asia. We want to reach one million people. Friends, we can do it with God's help. And we're getting there with it. 
and we're trusting God as we move forward with this very special project. Before I leave Central Asia, just let me mention one final project there, and that is Joy of Christmas. I don't know how many days it is to Christmas. Maybe you could tell me. But for Christmas, it's coming. And for the children, we provide them with a gift. You know the shoebox appeals and everything in the UK. The governments of Central Asia will not permit any aid to enter their countries, but there's always a means of sorting these problems out. So as a mission, we send the money to Central Asia, the believers. They make up these boxes. They fill them with sweets, with a children's Bible, with literature, with a little toy. They distribute them to the children who will not get a Christmas present, but they'll get one this year. We're trusting God that we'll be able to provide 16,000 of these boxes for Central Asia. The Christmas scene, Luke chapter 2, verse 11, is written on the box. That's the Word of God that tells us a Savior has been born. This is evangelism. Yes, it's wonderful to give the child a present, but my friends, it's more important to evangelize the child and the family. So with God's help, these will be distributed across these nations. You can pick up a little flyer about this project as we seek to go forward in Central Asia with the Word of God. Let me come to our fourth ministry, and that is distributing aid. I want to bring you to Ukraine, because the 24th of February 2022, we will never forget that Thursday morning when the all-out invasion began. I should clarify myself. The war began in 2014. The West didn't take note of it. And then the full invasion came on the 24th of February last year. Of course, there was so much need. People were needing food. They were needing accommodation. There was despair all around. There was destruction everywhere. We have continued to help through the evangelical church in Ukraine, reaching out to these people, providing for them in their great need. But as a mission... We've got two projects that are very special. One of them is for the widow. The other one is for the orphan. You might say to me tonight, why do you focus on those two people groups? Well, because God word, God's word tells us the widow, we're to remember them, we're to provide for them, and we're to take care of the orphan. Unfortunately, friends, in Ukraine, the number of widows is growing vastly every day due to this war. Many young men are dying on the front line. But through our widows project, we're reaching throughout through the evangelical church to these young widows that need help. Let me tell you about one of them, Katia, tonight, with her little baby Sophia. But before I give you her whole story, a poor woman that has suffered so much because her husband, who was sent to the front line, went missing in January. His body was found in February. Katia was expecting their third child in June. People are reaching out to these widows. God is touching their lives. They're finding Jesus in their darkest hour. God is coming to them. God is meeting with them. Because God is raising up people in churches across Ukraine to minister to the widow. When I was in Ukraine just over the last few days, I met Marina and Vlad. They brought us and they walked us to the grave of their son, their only son, their son of 27 years of age, who died on the front line in Ukraine. They stood at his graveside with the grief 
on their faces. They couldn't understand why God took their only child, their believers. But the heartache was so heavy. Their hearts were so broken. And then Marina, she said to us, a month after God took my son, God showed to me a special ministry. I got a phone call from a lady who'd received word that a young man had died in battle. And that lady was to go to the family and share the news that her son had been killed. She phoned Maria. She said, will you come with me? Maria went to that family. She spent all day with them. And she said, that day, God gave me a special ministry. She said, now I go to the war cemetery. Every time there's a funeral, I draw alongside the grieving family of that soldier that's been buried. I introduce myself. I invite them to the church because they have a special ministry in the church for those who have lost sons, husbands, and fathers, that they might reach out to these families in their great grief, that they might minister to them. Maria seeks to do that. When she came back from the cemetery that day and shared more about her story, she said, please excuse me. I have to go back to the cemetery. There's a funeral right now. I must meet with the grieving family. I must reach out to them. I must present Jesus to them, for he's the only hope for them. And God is using these people as we provide funds for widows. People like Maria and others are reaching out to provide for these widows in their darkest hour and in their great need. Katia, with her little children, is one of those widows that has been helped through our Widows Project. She said, I lost the dearest person to me, the father of my children. He loved us, and for the sake of a better future for our family, he went to fight and gave his life as a hero. We miss him so much. God revealed himself to me and my children through the love and care of the local church. Without this support, I would not have survived. I lost my husband, but I give birth to a daughter. She's a good sign of hope and a future from God for me. She's just one of thousands of widows that we've been able to help as we seek to fulfill the command of God's word and also to elderly widows as they face a severe winter and reaching out to them. But for the orphan, we seek to provide funds to create family-type orphanages. When I was there over the last few days, I was brought to those family-type orphanages, those houses that have been built that will accommodate 12 to 17 orphans with house burns. War orphans are being brought into these homes. The number of orphans are increasing so much because there are so many mothers who are losing their husbands to the front line. The stress and the grief, they cannot care for their families. The government has to step in and take the children from them. And put them into care. You know, friends, war is cruel. War is hard. People are suffering so, so much from this war in Ukraine. When you sit with the grieving, when you hear their stories, my friends, it becomes real to you what this war is doing in this nation. But in these houses, believers are taking in little children. Here is a family of orphans. They were in the city of Kherson. It was the first city to be taken by the Russians. Then it was recaptured by the Ukrainians. And the Russians are just across the river from Kherson. It's been bombed and missiles are coming into Kherson every day. This orphan family had to flee. They're in one of those houses living there. But there was something lovely. 
because the day we were there, it was snowing. It was so cold. But the adult orphan boys were out in the forest loading timber onto a truck to bring this timber to people in Hurson region that they might be, have heat for the cold winter that has come. And you know, friends, the temperatures have plummeted in Ukraine. It is so cold and the snow is so heavy. And here people are providing for each other. As a mission, we provided this minivan bus to, for, to help Pastor Sergei Sine in Hurson to reach out into the village. As a man who's dying, he's very ill with cancer, but he's reaching out, he's serving God. My friends, not only has he got the gospel shoes of stability, but of mobility. And he's moving out for God, reaching these people. When I was there just a few days ago, the medical team that we fund returned from her son, giving medical care to people because the military are priority in Ukraine for, for, for health care. And our Christian doctors and nurses are helping people who are distressed and who need this help. One of the church services that I was in, this young man was playing a musical instrument and then he was asked about his family, and he said, my father is on the front line. A young man standing beside him, he said, my eldest brother is on the front line. Another young man said, my brother was wounded. He's recovering from injuries from the front line. I was speaking to a pastor from out near the front line, and he said, my son, 24 years of age, is on the front line. He said, I have many young men from my church and they're on the front line. But he said, Derek, they're not just on the front line. He said, they're in a very serious position right now. As a mission with the people of God in the United Kingdom and Ireland, we seek to reach out and seek to help in these days. This is Urban Bible Seminary that was hit with Russian missiles. But praise God, there are 23,000 books in their library didn't even smell of smoke. It was a miracle. God has been helping them to refurbish the building and to get it open again for training. And so when I was there, I met with the president, President Igor and the vice president, Ben. They've got some work done to the building. You know many students they have now in Irpin uh, Bible Seminary? They have 888 students. There are seven Bible seminaries over Ukraine, and there's well over 4,000 students in training right now. Your friends, they need these students. They need workers because God is working powerfully in Ukraine right now. Yes, they've lost 200 pastors from the evangelical denomination we work with. 200 pastors have left the country. 200 pastors are displaced. But before the war came, this denomination that we work with, they needed 250 new pastors every year to sustain the work of God. But this denomination, my friends, they have got the shoes of mobility because they have a plan in place. Yes, their country is at war. There's destruction, there's devastation, there's despair, there's death. But with God's help, they want to plant another 1,000 churches by the year 2036. They've already started the church planting program and they're moving out into new areas to plant churches. And dear friends, it is, it is something amazing. I sat and I listened to the council when I was there in the east part of Ukraine 
one of the churches. Many believers fled. They left the church. The church was left with five elderly sisters that kept the door open. Today, there's 120 people in that church. As people have left, the churches are being filled to capacity with people who are seeking God. New churches are being planted. Gospel workers are needed in Ukraine. God is working and it is a mission we seek to stand by the work of God. Please pray for us. Please pray for the 200 students in Amati Bible Institute right now who are training for future service. Pray for our missionary families who are faithfully serving God, that God will continue to enable them in their ministry. Pray for the Bible sets that are reaching out into Central Asia. Thank God for his word. Remember the widows and the orphans in Ukraine. It just brought it home to my friends when I sat with these people. These are real people. We can hear it on the news. But when you sit and listen and look into the faces of people, it becomes so real. Pray for the gospel workers. You know, the pastors are weary. They're tired. They're exhausted. Pray that God will renew their strength. Those gospel shoes, the mobility will be there and the ability from God to keep going. I just want to mention this book, Hope in the War Zone, published by our mission just a few weeks ago. It was released. I witness accounts of people and what God is doing in this country. The book is five pounds. The money's going back into the gospel work in Ukraine. You may have come prepared to pay for it. That's okay. Take it anyhow. Ring up our office. It's okay. I want you to have the book. Also, Christmas cards. Maybe you have your shopping done. You've got all your Christmas cards, and I'm too late tonight. But there's 12 in a pack, two designs. Bible verse greeting inside. And the money from the cards is going to war widows in Ukraine. Also, just to mention just some of our literature. This is our prayer booklet. Take one with you. Please pray for us. We do need your prayers so much. This is our partner's mission for supporting our missionary families, a book on Ukraine. You can pick up The Joy of Christmas, Christmas boxes for children, also our work in Russia. These leaflets are available. Please do take them with you tonight. Our magazine, Frontlines, just released. You can read more about what God is doing. And Connect is our children's magazine for four, P4 to P7 or so. It's our first one. We hope to issue them twice a year. Kids can sign up and have it sent to them or whatever. We want a new generation of missionaries. I believe with all my heart we need to start with children. I remember my parents brought me to every missionary meeting. I thank God for that. It put a heart, it put mission in my heart. I believe today we need to start with children when it comes to mission and see them going through their teenage years and see them maturing for God and for mission. And oh, that we'll see a new generation rising up in our nation to love God and with a heart for mission. What else matters? C.T. Studd said, something like this, I have only one life to live. It'll soon be past. Only what I do for God is going to last There's nothing else in this world, friends. It's all for Jesus. It's investing for eternity. 
when I stand before the Lord when earth and seas are fled, I trust I'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is God's day. The world needs Jesus. May God put that in our hearts. And every day we rise, may that be our priority to reach our world for Jesus. May God bless you as you serve him here in this congregation and all that you seek to do for the Lord. And may God strengthen you and your minister and leaders of this church. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this opportunity. Please do pray for us as we serve the Lord. May God bless you all. And just on your behalf, I might like to thank Derek for coming and giving this update on the Slavic Gospel Ministry. They have left us much food here tonight to pray for, and a lot of prayer requests tonight. Do pray for Ukraine, pray for Israel, pray for the young men that are training for the gospel, pray for the prison ministry, pray for the Bibles that are given out to the adults and to the children, and pray for the new churches that are being built and many doors will be open for the preaching of the Word of God. You know, we may be not be able to go to the mission field, but there's one thing we can do, we can pray. Pray for the work, pray for the workers on the mission field, pray for the laborers. You know, I met, we met Derek over 20 years ago when Bangor, Independent Methodist City, often sang for him. I'm sure, uh, surely blessed through his ministry here tonight in Hillsborough. So those are listening online tonight, we just want to give you a thanks for listening in also to the Word of God, and we will be going offline now.